Bem-vindos ao Estudar Direito pelo Mundo, um podcast feito por mim, Klaus, com entrevistas e informações sobre como funciona estudar direito em diversas partes do mundo. Aqui você vai aprender sobre os requisitos para estudar direito em outros países, vai ouvir um pouco da experiência de outros estudantes e não se preocupe quando começar a ouvir eles falando em inglês, pois todas as partes têm tradução. Então convido vocês para ouvirem o episódio até o final e convidarem um amigo para ouvir também. Olá pessoal, boa tarde. Estamos aqui para mais uma live hoje e hoje eu vou falar com o Barry, é, que é advogado na Irlanda. Ele já foi do exército americano, do exército irlandês, né? já foi oficial do exército, já serviu nas Nações Unidas e aí é, estamos, estou super animado para poder falar com ele hoje aqui e trazer um pouco mais da experiência dele. Obrigado, Marcos, por estar acompanhando. Vou convidar aqui então o Barry para entrar. Só um segundo, já está entrando. Hello, good afternoon. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thanks for asking. Good to be speaking to so, you tonight. Yeah, it's good to, to be speaking with you as well, Barry. My pleasure. Uh, well, um, what, what I normally do here is most of my audience is a Portuguese-speaking people. So as I speak to you, probably after your answers, I'll be translating it to Portuguese, okay? No problem. I have a lot of um, Portuguese and uh, Brazilian friends in Ireland, and many of them awesome. have, have asked whether I would be speaking in Portuguese. Uh, and unfortunately, I won't be, but um, I'm happy that you will be here to translate. That's great. Thank you so much. So, first of all, I'll just do uh, a quick introduction of yours, both in English and Portuguese. And then after that, we can move on with the questions. So um, to everybody who's watching, uh, Barry is, uh, is a lawyer in Ireland. He has his own law firm. He has been um, in the army before, and he's currently uh, pursuing a PhD in his country. Uh, also, Barry has worked with the United Nations in Liberia and other countries. Então, o Barry que está com a gente hoje é advogado, tem a sua própria firma de direito na Irlanda e ele já foi oficial do exército na Irlanda, já trabalhou com as Nações Unidas na Libéria e em outros países também e agora está trabalhando é, como advogado, né? tem esse foco. Obrigado mais uma vez para todos vocês que estão acompanhando. So, Barry, once again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, and, and first of all, I was thinking, you know, uh, it seems like you had a big career shift. And if you could say a little bit about what, what the law had on you, you know, like, how does that decision came about for you to, to work with the law? Okay. When I was growing up, um, there were two things I always enjoyed, uh, giving orders and arguing with people. So um, I said I would join the military first uh, and prepare for a career in law and then have a career in law secondary. So it was something I had always intended. If I wasn't to be a soldier, uh, I was to be a solicitor. Um, it had always been in the back of my mind. Um, and I was very fortunate that there was a career path ahead of me within the Irish army, whereby 
I could join the army, go to university. And then between the time I finished university and I commenced my traineeship as a lawyer, um, I served overseas and I also squeezed in three master's degrees. So it was a great, um, it was a great preparation for a career in law. That's great. I'll, I'll go ahead and translate that. That's awesome. Então, eu primeiro perguntei ao Barry por que, que ele se tornou um advogado, né? Porque ele, ele era um oficial do exército. E aí ele falou que tinha, crescendo, né? Ele tinha duas coisas principais que ele gostava muito de fazer, que era dar ordens e brigar com as pessoas. E por conta disso, ele achava que uma carreira no direito era perfeita. Então, ele começou no exército... É, e ele né, tinha já um plano bem preparado que ele sabia que ia ser um advogado no futuro. Então, primeiro ele ia servir um tempo no exército e depois é, ia se tornar advogado. E ele comentou, inclusive, que, que a carreira é, no exército ajudou muito isso. Ele conseguiu fazer três mestrados enquanto ele estava servindo no exército. Então, teve uma oportunidade bem grande de preparar ele é, para fazer isso, para se tornar um solicitor. Well, that, that was a great answer. Uh, that's probably one of the best stories I've heard in my life. That's really, really good. Uh, the best reason somebody has, has ever given me to start a career in law. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I've, 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 always, I've always enjoyed arguing with people. So uh, why not make some money from it? Right? Yeah, that, that's great. Eu sempre gostei de, de brigar com as pessoas. Então, por que não fazer dinheiro com isso, né? É a resposta dele, muito bom. Well, um, I was wondering, how, how does law school work in Ireland? Because here in Brazil, we can go uh, into law school right after high school. And some people that I have interviewed from other countries, such as the USA, law school is, a, is a, something that you do as like a post-graduation uh, degree, okay. as a professional degree. So how does it work for you? So in Ireland, you can go into law school directly from high school. Um, but you can't qualify as a lawyer straight away. After you do your law degree, there's two paths. In Ireland, we have a division of our lawyers between solicitors and barristers. Solicitors um, stereotypically would have a lot of paperwork. They would be, they would be client-facing, whereas barristers would advocate on behalf of uh, the clients. Um, I'm conscious that you need to translate some of this, but um, effectively, after you finish law school, you can become either profession, sit professional exams relevant to that profession, and then, depending on which path you choose, you either take a nearly three-year solicitor traineeship in a law firm, or you take an academic course and then a, a one-year traineeship as a barrister. Ok, got it. So I'll, I'll go ahead and translate some of that. Então, a pergunta que eu fiz foi, depois do ensino médio, você já pode se tornar um advogado? Já pode fazer law school na Irlanda? E a resposta foi sim, na Irlanda, depois do ensino médio, você já pode fazer isso. Entretanto, não é só se graduando na, na faculdade de Direito que você pode se tornar é, um advogado. Você vai precisar fazer três anos de, de formação se você quiser ser um solicitor. E aí, é, a ideia é que o solicitor... Tem, tem né, o estereótipo de ser aquele advogado que só fica lá no escritório, que trabalha com as peças. E se você quiser ser um barrister, aí você vai ter que fazer um, um treinamento acadêmico e depois mais um ano de treinamento. E o barrister tem essa ideia de ser alguém que vai fazer é, as arguições, vai fazer 
as defesas perante o tribunal. Let me just check if I if I said the correct thing. So the solicitor is the person who stays in the, in the desk, right, with paperwork, and the barrister is the one that goes to court. Is that correct? In in general, so it it can be very in general, difficult. Yeah. In general, that would be that would be fair. But a lot of solicitors, if they heard this, will kill me because they do a lot of advocacy. And one of the reasons mm -hmm. I would have preferred personally to have been a barrister because you are standing in front of an audience and you are arguing with people. Um, but it's a very precarious profession because you are on your own. As a solicitor, you can join with a firm, you can gain your experience and then establish your own practice. And that's one of the reasons why I did employment law because employment law, even practicing as a solicitor, you can advocate on behalf of your clients. So that allows me to itch that scratch while being in the solicitor and not a barrister role. Oh, that's awesome. Então, a ideia que, é, que eu havia comentado sobre solicitor e barrister, né, em, em termos gerais é isso mesmo, né, mas ele falou que se um solicitor tivesse ouvido isso, é, como, como são questões gerais, né, estereotipos, talvez eles não gostassem muito disso, mas essa que é a ideia. É, e também comentou, então, que ele escolheu ir especificamente para o direito trabalhista, porque permite que ele tenha uma liberdade maior em, em advogar especificamente para os clientes dele e até em, em um âmbito mais geral, né, conseguindo fazer coisas que talvez não necessariamente um barrister de outras áreas conseguiria fazer. Well, that, that's quite interesting. Well, uh, you, you have already told me how it works after you're done with law school, but let me ask you, do you have a bars admission test or something like that in your country as well? We do. Um, as I'm sitting here, I see the New York bar admission test uh, paperwork, which I've had for maybe two years, but haven't had the time to attempt. So in Ireland, it's slightly different. Um, you have preliminary examinations for both streams, whether you become a solicitor or a barrister. And for many people, that's their hurdle that they need to overcome. It's the biggest one. Um, and um, for me, I had to pass eight exams. Um, and they are difficult. Um, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that I failed one of them uh, once um, and had to repeat it. And that would be standard. Um, but once you pass those exams, the next element is then your formal training. And as a solicitor, you would have a combination of both academic and practical. So you would be, in effect, a trainee to a more senior solicitor who will guide you through what you should or should not be doing. In the larger firms, and I practiced in a larger firm, you would have a rotation every few months between different departments. And then between uh, those rotations, um, you would go to the professional law school, which would teach you exclusively um, how to uh, practice as a solicitor. And it's not too dissimilar for barristers. They would do their academic training for one year first, and then they would do their traineeship, um, which is called Develin in Ireland. Uh, they would do it uh, for a year afterwards. And there's some, um, there's some cultural and social you know, differences between the professions, and it's a, it's, it's a strong rivalry, and I can maybe tell you a little bit more about that afterwards. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll love to hear from that, about that. Uh, something that is, is very interesting also is that 
uh, in Brazil, we also have a law school. Uh, we have a bar admissions test after law school. And uh, as you said, it's also the, the, the big thing that people are anxious about. And maybe that society will keep asking you like, oh, you've gone through law school. So have you been admitted to the bar already? Mm -hmm. So, so that's, uh, it's kind of very funny. You know, lots of professors will make jokes about that through, through law school. And, the, and it, it's interesting that that also happens in your country. And the main thing is it's, it's your peer group. So when everybody knows everybody else who is doing the same exam, um, that's where the real pressure arises. When you get your coffee, the barista doesn't know you've passed or failed, but your friend or your colleague who is sitting the same exam. Um, that's why maybe it's sometimes good to, adrop, to adopt a, a sort of a, a Trumpian approach to some of these and pretend as if you've walked with confidence, as if you've Pass them already, and maybe people will believe you. Right? Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and translate then. Bom, eu pedi para eles se eles têm uma pressão tão grande, um exame da, de admissão, né, para a ordem dos advogados da Irlanda depois é, da, da graduação. E ele falou que sim, né, que é que é a grande coisa que você precisa fazer depois da graduação. E aí eu comentei até que no Brasil é a mesma coisa, né? Todo mundo tem essa pressão, tem esse grande essa grande questão, né? Nossa, quando que eu vou ser admitido na OAB? E, e é interessante ver que isso também acontece no, nos outros países, né? Essa pressão tão grande por conta disso. Bom, além disso, o que o Barry me contou é que é, você faz o, essa prova com seus colegas, né? Com outras pessoas que você conhece. E assim, é, tem uma pressão ainda maior, né? Porque todo mundo vai saber se você passou ou não, né? Todo o seu, o seu grupo, né? E ele falou é, de uma forma engraçada, né? Que talvez seja bom ter uma atitude tipo do Trump, assim, que tipo, ah... É, caminhar com confiança que eu ganhei, que eu estou positivo, que, que já passei, sabe? É, então, foram essas coisas, é, de modo geral, assim, sumarizando, né? É, resumindo as últimas coisas que foram faladas. Well, uh, that's interesting. So, you, you mentioned you'd uh, be saying something about the, the rivalry that there is between and, and cultural differences in the yeah. profession? So, unfortunately, uh, when barristers are in court, the protocol is a solicitor needs to attend upon them. Uh, and even though the solicitor gives the instructions to the barrister, in many instances, the barrister needs to have somebody effectively assisting him who is a solicitor. And so that can lead to some differences whereby many barristers see themselves as uh, higher up in the lawyer hierarchy within Ireland. Uh, and so that leads to a lot of um, to a lot of rivalry between the profession. Um, also, uh, the barrister profession, the, the law school in Ireland, uh, King's Inns, um, that's several hundred years old. So they really do revel in uh, their tradition and their history and a lot of their rituals. It's a very real, uh, ritualistic uh, profession. Um, and so they kind of wear those rituals uh, with a badge of honor and as a means of distinguishing them from from um, uh, from other lawyers. Uh, and they continue to wear what you will have seen as in England and Wales, they continue to wear the, uh, the white and gray wigs, uh, which is something that is, um, is obviously not apparent in most jurisdictions around the world. Mm -hmm. All righty. Bom, então ele falou um pouco sobre essa rivalidade que existe dentro da profissão, especialmente no sentido de que algumas escolas são muito tradicionais e tem essa, 
especialidade de usar um badge, né, falando, ó, oh, tipo, eu sou é, formado em tal escola, ou, né, eu, eu estou nesse canto da profissão, por conta de ter essa divisão na profissão, então isso acontece, né, ele até comentou que é, os barristers lá na corte, eles ainda assim vão ter que ter um solicitor é, ajudando eles, entre aspas, né, dando instruções, então eles têm essa, é, alguns profissionais acabam tendo essa distinção, né, dizendo, olha, a gente é melhor, ou somos melhores profissionais, maiores, por conta disso, né, por conta dessa dessa diferenciação necessária. E, e falou ainda, né, que a profissão ainda ela é muito ritualística, né, se usa ainda é, uma, uma peruca e tudo mais para poder fazer com que é, todo, toda a encenação que acontece na corte seja possível, né, toda aquela questão teatral e, e, e tudo mais que a gente já conhece, né. Um, well, I, I was wondering also, will... So, let me just clarify. So, are you a solicitor or a barrister? I'm a solicitor. But I've also okay. graduated. Okay. I've also graduated from King's Inns, which is the barrister training school. So I have a small diploma here as well. So maybe I might be okay. able. To, they, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't take me in as one of their own. But um, but no, I'm a solicitor. Yes. Okay, great. I I I just don't want to offend you. <laughs> no, no, no. You couldn't. You couldn't offend me. <laughs> <laughs> that that's great okay well you also mentioned that uh something that made you or or helped you to decide to go into labor law uh, was this i don't know maybe freedom of of your act and and the way you can do things uh in this specific area of law so uh, i was wondering um how, how is your i don't know maybe could you s speak a little bit about your routine or maybe about the most common cases that come to you yeah Okay, so I'll, I'll probably divide it in two parts. Um, I'm not too sure if you have many people on your show um, who uh, are law students. Um, when I started out as a lawyer, I started out as an investment funds lawyer. And it's quite financially lucrative, but my heart wasn't in it. Uh, and I, what I wanted to be was really a litigator. And I like dealing with people. And so I made a number of steps to pivot back to labor and employment law and it was the best decision i made because so many lawyers spend their professional life in a practice area that they don't enjoy and it must be soul destroying to go to work every day doing something you don't enjoy um, and so that would be the one piece of advice that i would give to anybody who listens to this um, so I'll, I'll let you translate that first and then I'll explain a little bit about my day. Great, thank you. Então eu perguntei sobre como que é a rotina ou, ou sobre a sua opção de ter escolhido trabalhar com direito do trabalho, ela está especialmente relacionada a que área ou ao que especificamente. E ele falou algo bem legal, ele falou que quando ele começou a trabalhar como advogado, ele trabalhava como advogado na área de investimentos e isso era muito lucrativo, mas o coração dele não estava nisso. E por conta disso, ele, ele foi fazendo uma série de passos para trabalhar com o direito trabalhista. É, ele, ele falou uma coisa bem legal, que deve ser muito destruidor para as pessoas irem trabalhar com algo que eles não gostam e que ele percebe que muitos advogados acabam né, é, gastando toda a sua, passando toda a sua vida profissional é, fazendo algo que não gostam e, e que provavelmente isso não é, não é legal. Né? Você não consegue ter a satisfação que você teria se, fizesse, é, a, se trabalhasse com a área que você gosta mais. Né? Well, all translated, so okay. we can move yeah. on. <laughs> okay, so in terms, of, um, in terms of my typical day, um, after, once I sit at my desk 
um, having taken care of my own, you know, business, um, the first thing I check is finances. <laughs> so um, because I have my own firm, it's the one thing I need to be on top of every single day. Um, what is coming in and what's coming out? And it's great to think of one failing that a lot of lawyers have is that they fail to think of law as a business. Um, there's no point in practicing law if your clients aren't paying you. Um, and you know, ultimately when you are qualified uh, and um, as time goes on, you will know that um, getting paid by your clients can sometimes be a headache. So it's the first thing I check and I'll let you translate that. Okay. Então, ele falando sobre a rotina, né? A primeira coisa que ele faz é, é dar uma olhada nos trabalhos pessoais e, e a prioridade logo depois disso é olhar para as finanças. Ele falou que um problema que ele vê de muitos advogados é que eles não veem o trabalho de direito, né? O trabalho como advogado é como um negócio. E como ele é o dono da sua própria firma, ele precisa ficar sempre vigiando isso, né? Fica, precisa é, sempre ficar olhando para finanças e sempre prestar muita atenção nesse sentido. É, além disso, ele também comentou que como, como né, com essa responsabilidade de ter sua própria firma, ele precisa sempre ficar cuidando para ver se os clientes estão pagando ele. Né? E ele percebe, depois de um tempo de prática, que às vezes pode ser uma dor de cabeça conseguir com que o seu cliente te pague. All right. So, the, the next thing I do is really prepare for my day and I make sure that my appointments will be going ahead. Um, so, I double check with everybody who I have lined up to attend. I'm an early riser, so I get up super early. So hopefully by the time they check their emails, they'll have received an email from me to note that, you know, our meetings at 12 or at two or at four, because if you have that time in your diary and if somebody doesn't commit, a 30 minute meeting is really a one hour meeting because you're preparing for 15 minutes beforehand and 15 minutes afterwards. So that's, that's time management. I would say, first of all, finances and time management they're probably uh, two of the things I need to start my day with. And this is all before 9 a.m. Wow. Então, antes das 9 da manhã, ele tem certeza de checar essa questão financeira. E aí também ele faz, é, olha toda a agenda do dia, o que, que ele tem de compromissos marcados, e manda mensagens ou e-mails para todos os clientes ou pessoas que ele tinha alguma reunião marcada para confirmar se a reunião ainda está marcada. E aí ele espera que todo mundo consiga responder a tempo. That, that's awesome. That, that's really nice. You know, that's quite a routine. And, and I really like to learn about other lawyers routine. And, and mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing these details of yours. Yeah, no problem. But I mean, after that, the business of law is something that I think isn't taught in law schools. And unfortunately, for many lawyers, they never get the exposure to the practice management. Um, I was very fortunate in that before I established my own firm, I was the chief operations officer for a US law firm in Ireland and London. And so this was my routine. 50% of my work was practice and 50% was management. And I think by appreciating how do you get clients? How do you manage clients? How do you build clients? How do you get clients? Because there's a life cycle. By appreciating how that process is done and undertaking, um, it might give people more confidence if they ever want to set up their own firm. And I'm just trying to give some points here. If they ever want to set up their own firm or ever want to work by, by themselves, it's very important that not only do they know the law in their practice area, 
but also know how to run a business because ultimately that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Great, okay. Bom, eu falei, né, que, que muito obrigado por compartilhar sua rotina específica de cada dia, porque isso faz uma diferença muito grande, né? Eu, eu gosto muito de descobrir e saber o que, que os advogados estão fazendo na sua rotina em lugares diferentes do mundo. E ele falou que como ele teve uma experiência anterior, onde ele trabalhou como COO, né, Chief Operations Officer, para um escritório dos Estados Unidos que estava na Irlanda, ele pôde usar 50% do tempo dele nesse, nesse período é, como advogado mesmo, né, fazendo a prática do direito, e os outros 50% do tempo eram especificamente de administração. Então, ele falou que essa experiência de saber como é, fazer um negócio funcionar foi muito importante para fazer com que a própria firma de direito dele funcionasse corretamente. Already. And, and we stopped on, on, you know, having these business yeah. abilities, this, you know, knowing how to build, to, to run a business is, is where the point is at. Mm. I think so. But I think one of the benefits of law as a profession is there is, there's a niche, there's a specialization for everybody. So mm -hmm. if you are very technical uh, and maybe an introvert, you know, I would say maybe become a funds lawyer or a tax lawyer. If you are very expressive, then maybe become a litigator. Um, there's a, there is a, there is a, a place for everybody, I think, within the legal profession. Um, and I think it's important that people have an exposure to that and to each of the areas. Don't discount anything because I did when I, when I commenced the profession. Um, a lot of the expectations when you're are, com are, are comparing yourself to other people. We spoke about it earlier. We mentioned when people are doing exams that they compare their results to, to others. And um, that's very natural for lawyers because they're very competitive people. But what I would say is, is when you finally do qualify and when you kind of find your own voice, uh, make sure that you end up doing and being the type of lawyer you always wanted to be. Um, and it might be a longer road. When you qualify, that's only the beginning. And you might have some battles to kind of make uh, your way towards the direction or destination that you ultimately want to be. But remember, you know, life is long and it's getting longer for everybody. I hope to be practicing when mm. I'm maybe 70 or 80 or maybe even 90. If Joe Biden can be president at 78, then maybe I can practice law at 78. Great, great. Uh, então, o que ele acabou de falar, né, é uma coisa bem interessante que é, ele acha que tem lugar para todo mundo no direito. Como a gente tem áreas específicas, carreiras em nichos bem específicos, é, todo mundo tem, tem um lugar no direito, né? Então, ele falou, olha, se você é mais introvertido, talvez trabalhar com direito tributário, talvez trabalhar em algum lugar onde você não tenha que ter tanto atendimento seja algo legal para você. Se você já trabalha com, em outras partes, né, se você gosta muito de falar com as pessoas, talvez trabalhar como um advogado que vai é, fazer júris, que vai trabalhar nas cortes, é, que vai fazer né, todo, toda a apresentação de casos, seja para você. Então, todo mundo tem um lugar no direito. E, não, e ele falou uma coisa legal para a gente não descontar nenhuma área, né, para a gente ter alguma exposição, experimentar áreas diferentes, para que então a gente possa escolher, olha, eu gosto dessa área do direito e eu vou fazer ela com paixão porque eu quero. E por fim ele falou algo bem legal, ele falou que, olha, 
a taxa de, de mortalidade, né? Ou melhor, é, quanto tempo a gente vive, tá ficando cada vez maior. Então, é, ele falou, se, se o Joe Biden pode ser presidente com 78 anos, eu quero ser advogado e estar tá praticando com 78 anos. Ok, we can, we can move on. You know, I, I'm just really enjoying it a lot. I'm, I'm having a good time. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. My pleasure. Well, so, so you just mentioned that you'd like to keep practicing for a long time. Uh, how long have you been practicing already? So, um, because of my military career, um, I only entered, you know, professionally in 2012. So I've probably got about eight years um, under, uh, under my belt, um, you know, which is great. But I, I would say that, you know, the first three or four years were, were tough because you're, you're trying to figure everything out. In many ways, being in the military before a career in law was both an advantage and a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. The advantage was that you were very organized, you were very structured, you had good time management skills, you had a good routine. But the mm -hmm. disadvantage was many of my peers who I was training with were in their early 20s. And mm -hmm. it's sometimes easier to mold somebody when they're younger rather than a little bit older. So I had, you know, I'd been overseas, I'd led troops abroad. So it probably was a little bit more difficult, but, um, It was only yet, so, you know, I've got eight years under my belt, but I really don't see any reason why I would ever stop as long as I can. Uh, we had a, a barrister in Ireland uh, some time ago. I mightn't have it 100% correct, but he was known as the grandfather of the bar. The bar in Ireland is, 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 is basically the, the barrister profession. I believe it was his, he died on the day that he was to attend a lunch for his 101st birthday. And I thought to myself, that's a good way to go. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a good way to go. Então, o Barry acabou de falar que ele é, trabalha com direito há aproximadamente oito anos, né, por conta da carreira militar dele antes. E ele falou que isso, a carreira militar foi uma vantagem e desvantagem também. Então, como vantagem especial, ele via que ele já sabia administrar muito bem o tempo, ele já sabia várias coisas, né? ele já tinha liderado tropas, já tinha viajado pelo mundo, é, tido várias experiências que os colegas ainda não tinham tido. Mas, por outro lado, quando ele começou a trabalhar, é, ele tinha que começar a trabalhar junto com as pessoas que estavam começando também. Então, a maioria dos colegas dele é, tinham 20 anos, né? estavam no, no, seus, no, no seu início de carreira, então, né? entre os, sei lá, 20 a 25 anos, algo assim. E por conta disso, né, ele percebia que talvez era mais fácil para moldar eles, né, então eles eram mais adaptáveis, estavam mais é, prontos para mudar a sua rotina, a sua forma de pensar, a sua forma de trabalhar, do que o Barry, que já tinha tido todas essas experiências antes. Então foi algo, algo bem interessante. E aí ele comentou também que ele pretende praticar pelo resto da vida, né, foram apenas oito anos, ele quer continuar praticando, ele comentou sobre alguém na Irlanda que é, tinha aproximadamente 100 anos já, e aí é, acabou falecendo quando ia para um aniversário de 101 anos, mas que, que era conhecido como o avô da OAB, né, se fosse traduzir assim. Então, the, the grandfather of the bar. 
Então essa que, é, que era a ideia. E ele falou que, né, que, que coisa legal, ó, cada vez a gente vive mais e eu quero ser uma dessas pessoas também. Foi, um, foi uma ótima forma dessa pessoa morrer, disse ele. Well, that, that was an incredible story. Uh, it, it's interesting to see how, how, how you said, you know, the law has a place for everybody and it has a place for everybody of different abilities and also of different ages. It's, it's open for everybody. And I feel like when people have a different background before law, it, it adds so much to their careers, you know? And nowadays I see often people with an engineering background or with some, you know, computer science background. And, and I can see how they, they can use those abilities they have built beforehand to apply to the law and to make their practices even better. So I'm, I'm sure that you can always do that. And, and you mentioned that the military experience is also uh, an advantage in many ways. So I advantage. like to see that. Yeah, one of the, um, when the law gets extremely technical, we find a lot of people who've had careers in that area beforehand normally excel. So we would have a number of barristers in Ireland who were previously doctors. And they just know the right questions to ask. Uh, we have a number of engineers also who do patent, so trademark attorneys, because it's very technical and you need to uh, you need to have either a technical engineering or a scientific background. Those people from those professions who train subsequently as lawyers do very well. Um, and I think culturally for me, uh, some of my uh, client base would include uh, members from uh, the military the police, the fire brigade from those sort of uniform services. Uh, and having been in the military, it can sometimes help because you can appreciate the cultural differences within an organization. Um, and thankfully, as an employment lawyer now, um, my client base is very varied. So I do get to see, uh, you know, a very different uh, environment um, on a daily basis when I'm interacting with my clients. Some could be corporate, they, other people could be, you know, manual workers. So um, it gives a great variety and a, and, and a great perspective. That's awesome. Então eu comentei com o Barry, né, que é, algo que eu acho interessante é que cada vez mais eu vejo pessoas que já tiveram uma carreira antes do direito e que continuam agora, né, querendo fazer com que o direito seja a sua nova carreira, né. Então pessoas que já estudaram engenharia, já estudaram é, ciências da computação e agora estão indo para o direito e como isso acrescenta no direito, né? E até comentei que, bom, se você já esteve na, nas Forças Armadas, né? Com certeza isso faz uma diferença muito grande na sua prática do direito. E aí ele comentou também é, que como é, trabalhando nessa área trabalhista, né? Ele tem a oportunidade de ver essa essa variedade também. É, como ele trabalha com várias empresas, né? E, e tem uma lista de clientes muito diversa nesse sentido. E ele percebe também os benefícios né, de ter uma carreira anterior, né, como ele, como a pessoa que já teve uma experiência como é, no, no, nas Forças Armadas, né, no, no militar, é, seria algo muito enriquecedor para a prática do direito depois. Uh, well, as we, as we approach the end of this live, I was wondering if you have any, any other things to say to future lawyers in any place in the world. You know, you have already given great pieces of advice about following your your guts, your heart, mm -hmm. uh, what you like doing. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I think that your routine was very valuable uh, with us for you to share. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if, you, if you'd if you like to say something else. 
Yeah, um, I suppose, you know, I've been speaking English and you've been speaking, you know, Portuguese. Um, but in Ireland, our, our national language is, um, is, is, is Irish. Um, and there's one phrase, it's Sulele, uh, which means another I. It means an additional I. And I think it's very important for lawyers to always be mindful of using the additional I. It always try to imagine what the other person's perspective is. There's always three sides to any story. You know, the two people arguing and then a witness. So always uh -huh. try to imagine, you know, what is your story going to be? What are you expecting, um, you know, from your opposing counsel or from the opposing lawyers? And what will an independent person say? Because if you can get all three, you can control your story, your narrative, and preempt any of the difficult questions or uh, scenarios that your client may encounter. So I would uh, you know, advise uh, anybody to use their Sulela as much as possible. That's awesome. Então ele falou que é, tem uma língua, a língua nacional da Irlanda é o irlandês e não o inglês, né? É, e talvez as duas sejam, mas ele falou que é, em irlandês tem essa palavra que significa é, um, um olho adicional, um terceiro olho. E aí ele falou que é importante que quem está estudando direito ou está numa área jurídica tenha a capacidade de ter essa perspectiva, né? Olha, a perspectiva do seu cliente, a perspectiva de com quem ele teve um problema e a perspectiva de uma testemunha. Quando você consegue ter todas essas perspectivas, você consegue construir uma narrativa, é, entender o que, que possivelmente eles vão trazer de objeções, de perguntas, e dessa forma você consegue ter, alcançar mais sucesso. Well, thank you so much for, for those, for the time, for your time, for those, you know, very good tips and, and ideas for us to, to be thinking about. I, I do really appreciate your, uh, you answering my questions beforehand and, you know, preparing to do this. I always enjoy seeing your dog. And it has been, it has been quite a fun couple of days. He's my chief marketing officer. Nice, that's awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. Hopefully something of what I've said will be of value to you and your listeners. Um, and if anybody ever wants to reach out, please do. You can tag me uh, when, this goes, uh, when, when this goes out. And my law firm is at Crushel, C-R-U-S-H-E-L-L-L-A-W. So you'll find us across uh, all social media on Crushel Law. Thank you so much. Let me just ask before I do this, may I leave this live uh, recorded so people can watch afterwards? Of course, of course. My pleasure. Okay, thank you so much. Great. And have a, a great rest of your Sunday, of, of your Saturday. Thank you very much. By the, way, by the way, what time is it in Ireland right now? It's now uh, 10 past 10 at night. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, it, it's 7.09 here in Brazil. So thank you so much for... Uh, you know, coming in such an inconvenient time. No, no, listen, it was a break from all of the election news that we're witnessing at the moment. <laughs> okay, thank you so Perfect. much. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you.